The Fruits of Practice by Donna Falls Despite fervent pleas for ease and safety, there are many days when reality doesn't quite line up with what I'd choose. Breakdown, letting go, surrendering even the illusion of control, breathing into the unknown. Sometimes that is what life holds. Practice hasn't brought an end to pain. I still increase my suffering like a fish caught on a line. My struggles only draw the hook in deeper. But being in reality is its own reward. It's the perfect paradox. The courage to stand and breathe when everything in me wants to flee is as great a gift as the freedom to seek retreat. No, practice hasn't brought an end to pain but it has honed my willingness to experience the moment and sometimes see perfection unfolding in ways I wasn't big enough to plan, much less predict. Practice isn't about achieving a goal. It's not a means to pole vault over suffering. Practice is my way of looking life in the face and saying yes to all its disparate gifts. Practice keeps me awake when I would sleep and reminds me it's the journey unfolding in this very moment. It's the journey that reveals the truth, and not the destination. Hey there, and welcome to Inner Journey Podcast. At the time this is being recorded, many are in their sixth week of COVID-19 quarantine. I hope this podcast brings you some companionship if you need it, some joy or insight, as it's geared toward a certain sense of relief for the spirit. This week's episodes are all dedicated to the theme of awakening, so stay tuned because I have some pretty righteous guests. And Christina, if you're out there listening, thanks again for reintroducing the word righteous back into my life. I hadn't heard it since the 90s, and man, did I miss it. Our guest today, Victor Pinckney, started off as a yoga student, became my friend, and is now practically family to me. And he is an interesting first guest for the theme of awakening, because he garners a lot of his spiritual direction for his life from being asleep. Sleeping is one of his favorite things, because it is when he dreams, and he dreams a lot, and the way he dreams confirms some long-held beliefs I've had about dreaming. And they have certainly become a tool he uses to awaken. I had a dream once. I and some friends were in a barn not far off from two other barns. I looked out the barn window to see there was a tornado coming, and I knew I should relax my body completely when it came. I told my friends to do the same, but they wouldn't listen. When the twister took us up, I was the only one left uninjured when it dropped us back down. I went to one of the other barns to look for medical supplies to doctor my friend's wounds and found them. This happened again and again, and each time as the tornado took me up, I relaxed my body, went along for the ride, and was uninjured when it was over. My friends stiffened against the lift and were hurt, 
By the fourth or fifth time, the barn I was getting medical supplies from ran out, so I went to the other barn to look for more. When I opened the barn door, I found a man with tools working on a huge fan. I asked the man, Hey, is that a tornado machine? You mean to tell me those tornadoes are not real? He said yes, but I still had to experience them, and I am right to relax when they take me. I awoke from the dream, knowing it meant that the drama of life was not real, but the internal experiences are, and that I needed to tend to the internal experiences in the most relaxed way I could. I'm still practicing the lesson given to me by this dream. Today we're reaching way back to Sanskrit for our word of the day, awake. In my research on the word, I found the word for awakening in that vibrational language of Sanskrit is prabhu, and it has seven definitions at least. They are to rise from sleep, to be blown away, to perceive or be aware of, to excite or stimulate, to induce, to cause to expand, and to acquaint or make known. I find all of those definitions interesting, but one stands out most to me, to induce. That word induce means to give rise to. So to me, that definition of awake in Sanskrit says that awakening is accompanied by action or inherently starts movement within us that may become action. Kind of like the connection between knowing better and doing better. Huh. I wonder if that is at all connected to the phrase ignorance is bliss. Because to know or be awakened to a truth is to, as the Latin definition of awakening says, be vigilant. Once you know, you become vigilant in some way or another to what you know, lest you suffer the constant resistance that comes with trying to unknow what you know, in hopes to remain in the slumber of apathy, maybe out of attachment, or maybe out of what yoga philosophy names a pinavesa, or fear of death. It is fear of annihilation, of no longer existing in the same way you exist currently. It's fear of change or clinging to circumstance, even if that circumstance is miserable. And then there are folks who, once they awaken to a certain truth, let it move them and never look back. Or in the old yogic story of the two thieves, just stay exactly put. In the story, these two thieves have completely exhausted their thieving potential in their village, so they hatch a plan to travel to the next village over and pose as a saint and a devotee. The one posing as a saint dresses in saffron robes and sits in a meditative pose, very still, while the one playing devotee sets out a begging bowl and praises the saint to onlookers and tells them that surely if they give him money, he will pray for them and they will have riches, both monetary and spiritual, in their lives. And it works. 
People empty their pockets and the money piles high. When the crowd clears, the man posing as the devotee says to the posing saint, Come on, let's get out of here. We've got so much cash. The saint poser replies, You go ahead and take the money with you. I'm finding peace within. Okay, I think it's time for us to call Victor Pinkney, or as I call him, Vic. Yo, Dreamer. Hey, what's going on? <laughs> you want to play a game? Oh, sure. Let's play a game. All right. What songs can you name with the word dream in them? You have to sing the line. Uh, oh, okay. Um, wow. So there's um, Mariah Carey and ODB song, Dream Lover. <laughs> oh, you got to sing it, man. <laughs> Yes. All right. Mine was dream, 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 dream. All right. What else you got? What's next? Get out of my dreams and into my car. All right. So far, Dawn two, Vic one. We're keeping score. I'm losing pretty heavy right now. Um, I'll go with Wonder Woman on this and say. You may say I'm a dreamer. <laughs> I've had time to think about this. <laughs> you, you, you definitely did. I'm like, man, that's the, the first song that came to mind was uh, the Mariah Carey one. After that, I'm like, uh-oh, I don't think I know any other song to dream. <laughs> first of all, I love that Mariah Carey came to your mind in 0.2 seconds. Um, <laughs> and secondly, um, even though it wasn't fair, I win. No, you put that Google down. No <laughs> cheating. Well, there were, there were no rules to the, to the game. Anymore, so <laughs> that fine. That's the way I play games. Barely any setup and no real rules laid out. Hey, so I introduced you as a person who gets a lot of direction from your dreams and I shared a dream of mine that offered me guidance in life for a long time now. Is there a dream that you can think of that stands out to you um, that you've had? And it can be any time in your life that gave you a lesson on how to live. Yeah, I had one a dream that really like stuck out because it, I guess it was recent as of say like October of last year, but it allowed me to really see um, some things that were going on with the professional that I was using, I was using with my therapist and I had a dream that wasn't it wasn't even him in the dream but it was Donald Trump actually oh, God. and I mean it took me it took me about like a week or so later to realize this after I read through the uh, the dream that I wrote down but um the setting was also in a barren, sort of just like rocky, a barren land. It had no vegetation. It involved me speaking with him about approaching um, a country and being able to use my own uh, diplomatic abilities to deal with the country, 
United States wanted out of the country um, on our terms. And the therapist being Donald Trump was pretty much trying to state that I wouldn't be able to do it without his without his involvement. And in the dream I stated to him that I was able I'll be able to do it, just uh, let me handle him, handle it and that he should have faith in me. It, it made him comfortable and then he just kinda like let it go and allowed me to do the negotiations. Whoa. Were you confused in your dream because it looked like Donald Trump or did you want to like become lucid and be like, I'm not listening to you with foreign affair advice? I guess there was part of me that was somewhat lucid during it because I knew that um, I needed to say something that would appease him, but at the same time be able to assert my own independence. I didn't know it was my therapist though. So I didn't, like, I didn't know it was my therapist till after um, I had the encounter with my therapist oh. that this scene was playing out. It dawned on me when I was speaking to my therapist as I was stating that I was ending our relationship and he was pretty much, he was not letting go and I just decided to say like, hey, uh, I, I understand that, you know, we've had like a quick relationship and such and such has been going on. I just, I just feel like uh, it's time for me to separate. If, if anything comes up and I feel like that I am in trouble, I will need to reach out to you, which was like that diplomatic statement that was made to at least kind of like ease, I guess I would say ease his ego in a sense, because I guess being like up by a patient may somewhat hurt someone's ego, especially if that's how they make their living and how they've kind of like built their image up. Wow, what I love about that dream is that, you know, because the theme of this week's episodes is all about awakening, and what I love about the dream is that you had a mild awakening in the dream, and then you physically woke up, and then you had another or several awakenings when you talked to your therapist and then realized that the dream was actually about the relationship between the two of you. Yeah. Well, that's a good segue. I love good segues. <laughs> As you know, <laughs> I just rewatched the movie High Fidelity with John Cusack. Yeah. And so I'm all about top fives. And I asked you to consider your top five experiences that have caused you awakening, right? That's how I phrased it. Mm-hmm. So what is your number five? Number five, I will say number five had been the moment I realized I was not only on the receiving end of emotional pain, but I was also a source as well. Oh, wow. That you had yeah. the, you had the capacity to hurt another. Yeah. Tell me more about that. Being able to really see where my pain was stemming from, I was able to actually look back at some moments where, I mean, some of these moments were when I was like a teenager or even a little bit older um, in my like early 20s, mid-20s. But I was able to see where there were times where I was just being mean to people uh, for no other reason than the fact just to really just to be mean. 
when I look back on it as the person that's going through the healing now, it kind of made me upset for being that individual. And I know I couldn't, I couldn't change the past, but because I had grown, I, I didn't realize that I could also make amends and at least apologize to those individuals if I could like find them on Facebook and send out uh, a heartfelt apology for being the cause of their pain. And I did that to individuals I could find. That's so beautiful that you went back and apologized. That's really beautiful. And was it kind of like that situation where hurt people hurt people? Like you were hurting and then you wanted to make them hurt? Yeah. Well, I knew who I essentially was as being someone who was nice. And the times where I did hurt people was one like I really was just like not feeling good. Oh, that's interesting. And that's actually kind of the the microcosm of the macrocosm I've been working with for a while is I've been working with this sense of drawing myself near and really mm-hmm. being caring for myself, especially when I'm triggered, which is the time I used to turn against myself the most when strong emotion was coming up. But since I've been drawing myself near, just being curious and giving myself the love that I need or the words I need, I'm finding I'm able to be a lot more accountable to people. Whereas what I'm hearing from your experience is because you're a very kind person, normally when you're not, you can realize that you're in pain. Yeah. Man, this is good. And that's only five. (laughs) So, all right, what's four then? Four is the moment I realized my past romantic relationships were repeating cycles that paralleled my family life. Oh, whoa. That is a good one. I'm going to have to sit with that. (laughs) (laughs) I've looked through many lenses into my past relationships. Yeah, I didn't look through that one as much. Although I guess I have. Was it a certain family member that you were repeating cycles around and playing them out in your relationships? It was, it was actually of my parental figures with, uh, I guess, both their positive and negative attributes. Hmm. Are there any you decided to keep? Well, I guess one of the things, especially when it came down to the relationships, it was someone's generosity. I would always look at their generosity as something that was um, positive and that showed that they were someone that had a good heart. But at the same time, the generosity wasn't always done from a uh, point of mental condition. Wow, I feel like I'm learning so much. And anything else you want to say about that before we go to three? A lot of, a lot of these moments have been in the past several years, and this one was uh, around July of last year. And because of me seeing this within a relationship and me breaking away from this relationship, it also allowed me to start stepping into my own life with my own independence and sculpting it the way that I want and giving the time to really work on myself without having to feel like I need to please someone just to make them happy with it. That's cool. Yeah, then because then you really start to be a co-creator in your own reality. Yeah. 
And that is kind of like lucid dreaming, right? I've had dreams where I've managed to wake up in the dream and just really play it again and again until I was happy with the integrity I had in a situation. So how about three? Because this is, if we're starting off here, it's getting good. Number three, um, was releasing the grief for truly understanding the relationship I had uh, with my mother. Oh, releasing the grief when you finally woke up to the relationship? Like what it was? Yeah. And the grief helped you wake up? It did. Yeah. I, I think you were, actually, you were actually there for that moment that it happened. Oh, I remember. Can you tell? Do you feel comfortable sharing it? Yeah, yeah. So it was, um, I guess, sometime in November, it was like October, November. It was the day that you asked us to bring in pictures of all of us as children to our inner journey program. Oh, yeah. So, listeners, Vic took this inner journey program, which is a five month spiritual mentorship and development program. Yeah, so I asked everybody to bring in a picture of themselves as a kid. Some people forgot, but then Vic, you didn't have one. Yeah, like I, because I split ties with my family and I really didn't want to ask them for anything. I just like went about it as just not having a picture. I couldn't find one on Facebook or any other social media that I had. So when we were in the class and everybody was bringing their, their pictures out, it did make me feel uh, a little sad for the fact that I didn't have a picture of myself as a child and I didn't have somebody to reach out to to get the, those pictures or someone that I felt like I could reach out to and get those pictures without conditions. When we went to go perform our daily yoga practice, I laid, we laid down and all of a sudden I just like, I, I felt, it like it was this feeling of like grief, like it felt like I was like a kid again. And the only thing that was coming to me to say was just like, mommy, and I just started sobbing like uncontrollably. And one of the first times in a long time that I, you know, cried with so much energy and just controllable. And I was just thinking during that whole period, like, I don't really have a mom. Like, I never really had a mom. Yes, she may have done some things that were motherly, but she was doing them to keep space and just to make herself look a certain way. Like, and I started thinking about just how I knew what attributes a mother would have, and it just seemed like a lot of them weren't there. And that really just made me sad at that moment. Seeing the way that you could let yourself cry was one of the most beautiful experiences I've had in 23 years of teaching yoga. Thank you. It was, it was, it was great that you were there as well to, to really just let me realize that it was okay to let that out because crying is something I've always thought was not supposed to be done in public and I, like I said before, I haven't, I hadn't done a lot of it. I was always thought that it meant you were weak for crying, but again, I've cried so much in the past year that I kind of enjoy crying because of how much of a cathartic release it is. Yeah, you feel clean after. I feel clean after. 
as you're saying that too, more people who I witness cry apologize, you know, than more women, because I barely see men cry, but all the women I see cry apologize, and women have not even gotten half of the conditioning around crying that men have. That's why when you started to release, there was nothing I felt like I had to stop. I trusted you entirely. All that I wanted you to know was that I was there. So I feel like I just, I think I remember just holding your hand. It was just like the, just the right amount of comfort that I needed, just so like I didn't feel alone, like I really felt at that moment, like kind of like a child that was just like lost, like in a ball, and their parents were around, and nobody was really, nobody really knew what to do with them. Yeah, I know. I remember getting lost. I got lost a lot, and I ran away a lot as a kid. Yeah, I would run and watch my mom look for me. I felt guilty about it, but it also brought me yeah. some satisfaction because I saw that she was worried, and that meant that there was a sign that she loved me. Yeah, it's like you were like testing out the waters almost just to make sure things were not something else. Yeah, and it turned—I mean, it always turned out it was something else. Unfortunately, up until like the week she died. The week she died, she actually, there was a moment where she truly, truly saw me. And I'll be forever grateful that I got that moment. Wow. All right. Number two, it's getting good. <laughs> I keep saying it's getting good, <laughs> even though these are like, you know, mostly suffering that awakens us, but it's still thankful for it. So number two, um, I would say the moment I realized I had to separate myself from my family to move forward with my uh, healing. To move forward with your healing? Yeah. Wow, tell me more. That was kind of a, an explosive experience. I mean, it started off more from me just taking myself out of the family um, emotionally, especially when there were emotional attacks and not really being, not really allowing them to affect me personally. And then I start, I just started seeing like, as I was working on, um, and moving my way through, uh, depression and anxiety with the help of the last therapist I was telling you about, there was just like this animosity towards me, especially my mom. My mom would try to start fights for no reason whatsoever. Like, um, I remember when she tried to start a fight over me. I was driving her and a friend's home after um, my grandmother had died. And I took a certain way. My mom started arguing with me about the way that I took and how long it was going to take. And then she stopped for a second because her friend was in the car. But as soon as I dropped her friend off, she just like started yelling at me. I turned to her and said, I'm not talking. I'm not talking about this because the amount of time that if this is an additional amount of time added on to derive, it's more or less than 10 minutes. And that's not going to affect anything that you have to do once you get home. So I'm going to not talk about this 
because this is like, this is the golden age. And she was quiet and I saw the way that she was just like sitting over there brooding and it seemed like she was hoping that I would just like blow up back at her and I didn't. So this went on for, you know, several times and I started to realize, I was like, I don't, I don't think there's an appreciation for the healing that I'm doing for myself with the, with the family that I have in the house. And then that really came to a head when I had a discussion with my little sister who came home from uh, L.A. So we were talking about the, uh, the argument or I guess the conversations my mother and myself were having. And my little sister started bringing up how I've been such a, like a drag on the family because of living there for three years and I hadn't been doing anything with my finances and I should be, I should be in a, I should be in a better place at my age. And then I tried to explain to her about the effects of anxiety and depression and what that causes and like the cause that that has on a person. And I told her, you know, I'm working through it and I've been making progress. And then she was saying, you know, well, like that's not an excuse because people get over it and that that like that was that made me blow up like I got really bad and I did start yelling and I finally came to a point after about like 45 seconds I was like whoa I just got really mad and I said it out loud and I started laughing and I apologized to my little sister she never apologized for her statement though and I like took note of that and then after the conversation I went back to my room and I was like she didn't. She didn't care anything about me. There was like there was no care or regard for my condition during that conversation. Nor was there any apology for her statement that she made. And I apologized to her right after I realized that I may have gotten a little angry and said things I probably should have said. So that led to me realizing that um, I really wasn't accepted by this family as much as I thought I was. And they went away to LA for my little sister for Christmas. I stayed home because I actually enjoy being away from the family, uh, especially when they went on vacations or wherever. And during that period of time, I just started noticing just different things around the house that just didn't sit right with it. Started clearing out the room and I threw a lot of different places in the house. I found things that I did not expect to find in the house, like uh, hard drugs, and it made me realize, like, I didn't know these people. Like, I didn't know who these people were for 35 years almost. Wow. So. <laughs> Man, I think number two should have, like, five addendums to it. You know, like, bullet point one is uh, that the kind of classic journey of separating from one's family in order to follow one's path, you know, mm-hmm. and in these, and in this situation, in order to heal, you know, your path is a healing path. And then mm-hmm. to it's like that accountability goes both ways, you know, or it needs to mm-hmm. go both ways with your sister. You, know, yeah. that you were willing to apologize and be accountable and then three, well, yes, anger turns into rage when boundaries are not honored, sensitivities are not honored, when it comes to you explaining the nature of anxiety and depression. And then four, I guess, like, 
you know, really noticing that you kind of like the company you keep and you're getting to know yourself more than they know you. And then the Mm -hmm. fifth one is like, wait, you can be around people for 30 some odd years and still, because they keep secrets from themselves, they keep secrets from you, you kind of don't know them at all. Even if you're blood related. Yeah, so two is packed. Two is like a is a gold mine of awakening. That was actually like an abridged version of that because it was just that those few days that that happened and it was just like so much going on at once. Sounds like it. Time is a really interesting thing too. Like when you find out something, especially about your parents, you know. And I'm wondering mm-hmm. if like listeners can identify with this when you find out something about your parents that has this ripple effect into the past you then start to question everything you know like my aunt told me she wrote this is I was reflecting like why did I why was I so adamant about getting off of Facebook when I did before and I realized it was because the week my mom died, my aunt sent me a Facebook message where she was confessing to having an affair with my dad for the entire length of my parents' marriage, which was 18 yeah, wow. years. And she sent it via Facebook message. And yeah. <laughs> that's that's like, really heavy. Yeah, that was heavy. I was like, okay, thanks for that information. I'm going to go to my mom's funeral now. You know, and so it was, so it just like had this looking at the past with my dad, you know, in a much different way. And also looking like, yeah, my mom had been saying she thought he was unfaithful for a long time and he called her crazy. And then he eventually left her because... She was crazy. Like, yeah. Wowzer, wowzer, wowzer. Oh. Yeah, that old, the, the, the gaslighting. Oh, that's what that word means. <laughs> I was, I've only heard that word in political terms, and I was meant to look it up, but I kind of intuited what it meant. All right, so we're at number one. Should we do a, should we try to like do a drum roll together? Alright, here we go. (laughs) (laughs) The first time I felt detachment from the narratives I've carried for so long. Oh, that just made me (laughs) That felt good. That felt amazing. That was like, I've I've had my experience with some things in my life and I've never felt anything that before. And I'm I'm hearing like different versions of the song. It's like freedom, 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 <laughs> or like um, yeah, oh, maybe the Richie Havens, Richie Havens singing freedom over and over again at Woodstock is is <laughs> actually what I would hear when I hear you say that. That's that's exactly. I'm 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 guessing that's what freedom really feels like, and that's that where you feel unencumbered and just like 
whatever was tiny back or just like had you buy it was just like cut and you could move just completely free. So this um, this is a, this actually happened this week or well not this week last week. It was very recent, very recent. I think it was on Tuesday or Wednesday. No, it was Thursday because it was after your class. I never in the class or via video for the class. I had, you know, opened up and told you what I experienced right before class. And that wasn't that, but that was like part of that. Oh, this so, is um, after after I opened up the class, ugly crying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's the worst day ever. You were crying before that class, right? Yeah, I was... Um, I was actually still kind of ugly crying when I started the class, but trying to smile. Oh, uh, okay. Thursday was a tough day in Earth School. Yeah, because yeah, we were, we were sharing, well, you shared how you definitely felt there were oh, the narratives that, and the, some of the things that you have through had kind of like presented themselves in a much stronger form, right? Yeah, yeah, old stuff was coming up. Yeah, because I was, I was definitely feeling, feeling that on that same day as well. And I actually had a, like I said, I had a moment cry beforehand, like probably right before we were, we, you turned on the video, you asked to turn the video in for ourselves. Mm. And that was, um, I actually felt a little bit of that, um, part of myself that was all that nice, warm like love feeling that has it's like this empty sort of loving feeling like I guess free of whatever dirt was in there. Yeah. And it, it lasted lasted for, you know, some of the class and then I went back to the way things were and I actually decided to write in my journal after that and I knew that I was also having a session with my new therapist later on. So this just kind of prompted me to speak on what was coming up and what I felt like I needed to work through or at least work with. Because I didn't want to, I knew, I, I guess, like fighting it was not working, but fighting it only made whatever it was just like feel like it had more power. I had the session with uh, my therapist and we started, we broke down the therapist. Um, in a sense where she asked me to actually like go, go into myself and meditate and feel them. And then she asked me what they felt like. And I said they felt like sadness, like they just felt like sadness. And then she asked me if it felt like my sadness. And I sat in myself for a second. It just felt like it didn't belong to me. Like it really felt like this was like a foreign presence inside of myself. And then she asked me if I could, you know, if I could separate them, separate myself from it. And I said, yeah, it's like, it's like, it doesn't feel like it's mine. As soon as I was able to admit that, I was able to realize where those prefaces, those prefaces came from. And with that realization, it also made me sad because I could feel the pain that was coming from them. Mm-hmm. And this was, Actually, the first time that I really had some compassion and grief towards my parents' experience, because I didn't know what they experienced. I mean, I had some idea, but that's only from what I've heard from some family members, but there's probably 
a whole slew of things that I don't know about, but that that sadness that I can feel, it, it starts to make me, I start to feel sad for them having to experience that. Now, it can make me want to go and like reach out to them because I know who they still are and I know that they haven't really done much to, they haven't really done anything to work on what's hurting them and that would only put me back into their targets, I feel like. But I understood and made me feel better that none of this was mine and that like I was fine. All these things were just like garbage that I had picked up from somewhere else that I could get rid of it. Man, I... I hope to God that people listening can hear the wisdom and emotional intelligence in what you're sharing because there is a lot of, I think, cumulative work that you did that led to that realization and the separating out of those narratives. And it's really, really beautiful. The piece that sticks out to me the most is not just being able to feel the sadness for yourself, but then to realize that it actually didn't have your name on it, that maybe you've been carrying it, like maybe maybe it was generational trauma, and then your response then, and it seemed like a very, very organic response emotionally was then to have compassion but then even though because that gets that that moment where you can realize that you inherited pain from people who were in deep pain and Mm -hmm. you have compassion for human suffering there's a potential there for that water to get really really muddy and for you to go back and, and into the situation, but you were able to discern in that moment that, or you were able to hold the compassion at the same time as maintain the boundary. And that's, yeah. that's fucking brilliant. Because I, I know that it's like, like you said, it's very easy to make that be a reason to get caught back up in it again. Yeah. Yeah, really. That's beautiful. I'm so glad that I met you. I'm so glad that you came into motherhood. And that's just all that came to my mind just now. I mean, Dylan, like, I really don't know where I would be if I did not see motherhood from that moment you got across the street and just decide that it should be a place I should check out. Hmm. So much right now that has, like, so much that has been a part of my healing right now has just been attributed to just, like, not just yourself, but the connections that you've had with uh, with the community that you share. Oh, man, that's why during this time, you know, like, I know that it's sad to think of, but I, I know that not all yoga studios are going to, survive this quarantine time it's it's difficult but i am so dedicated to keeping this community alive because it's it's a really 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 special community people like you and i said at the beginning of the podcast 
when I was talking about you as the guest. I said, you started off as my student and became a friend, and now you're my family. And I really, yeah. really feel that. Yeah. You're definitely like the big sister I never had. <laughs> That's awesome. You tease me just like a big sister sometimes, too. <laughs> so easy to tease, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's, something, that's something a big sister would say. <laughs> I know. Oh, but, man. Uh, so I asked you to send me this recording of you freestyling because one day I looked at the Instagram and I see <laughs> my brother Vic freestyling and I was like holy hell you've been sitting on this and you have not shared this and this is amazing and so I asked you to send me um, this recording and I'm gonna play it um, after we sign off but it, would you like to say anything about it? I guess it was there were, there were a bunch of recordings I tried to make today I think I was probably working on it for about like an hour, maybe a little bit more than that. I had to give myself a break because I, I knew that I was, um, I guess because I knew I was going to be on air, I had to make it perfect. And that was making me question myself a little bit. I guess this last, this last one, the last time that I did it, I just felt like this was the authentic, uh, version of myself that was not trying and just allowing whatever that needs to flow through me, just flow through me and come out. That's awesome. I love that you said to me that you were um, trying, you found yourself trying to be hard. <laughs> 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 and that's when you took a break. And I think that's, that's so awesome. I can't wait to play it for everybody. But in the meantime, we'll sign off. 13 thank yous so much for being on here and honey in my heart not just for being on here but to know you and I love you with all my heart thank you very much Sean. I, I love you as well and this was such a pleasure and an honor to be on your podcast brought out myself a new form also just getting adjusted to new norms I used to look at life as just like a porn Now sometimes I sit back and I cry and I mourn Why is that it's not cold, it's warm But still gotta bundle up See people wanna come out feeling like they will remain uncut But this is just like the same sound that remains unstruck Not given too many times I looked at the puck And just hit it towards the goal Never miss it, I know But if it were just coming from a poor soul Who was just so small and made life cold If y'all thought that this was gonna be another bro Hopping on the beat and just to just say what he knows About what happens to be something like money Or actually something he can put inside his tummy Hopping behind him the wheel of a car that's only got Got mass appeal because it's expensive, but damn, I must just say that I've just realized that like Jafar, some of this planet is just made up of scars, but there we are, and here we are, and where are we going? I don't know, but I'm just going to keep on, I keep sowing all my field, and then if I get it right, then I know that I will have vegetables that actually that I grow.